and welcome back to the Football Chat Podcast. It's episode 153 today, and I'm joined by Harry as always. Harry, how are you feeling today? I am feeling beautiful. <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. Anything, uh, anything interesting you've been up to recently? No, not really. A man of many words. No. Still wanted to stay while you're on a podcast when you say about three words. But yeah. Uh, today's topics then, we're going to start by looking at a few different Premier League games, including the VAR controversy from this weekend's match between Tottenham and Liverpool. I'm sure a lot of you guys will want to hear our take on that. Then we'll talk about the Chelsea game and uh, some other Premier League matches, and then we're going to look at the Bundesliga before we round off with a little bit of FPL. So, without further ado, shall we talk about the Tottenham-Liverpool game? Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> probably, yeah. The talk of the weekend, really, for that Saturday fixture at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. A lot of people will know the score 2-1 to Tottenham and a big three points for Ange Postacogli's side. However, a lot of people criticising VAR over a big controversial error in the first half. Shall we talk about the error there? Yeah, it was right. It's just, it's inexcusable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. How do you get it that wrong? Yeah, obviously... For those who haven't seen it, though I'm sure there's not many of you left, <laughs> Luis Diaz bursting through on goal. So Salah has the ball on the right-hand side, Diaz running for on goal. He's a good yard onside. Yeah. Good yard onside. And it was called as offside, wasn't offside at all. VAR failed to do anything about it. Goal didn't stand. So a weird situation. Then PGMOL, so that, that happened in the game. Then you could visibly see Simon Huber's face. And they say that the official didn't know until the until half time, but you could tell the look on his face about a minute after That's it happened. I, that he, he might he not be told, but he'd have gone. Something's happened here because that he was because somehow he would have seen the we would have seen the play and he'd gone. He was on side there. But also VAR surely would have panicked because what you do in that situation when you don't want to throw the rule book out the window? I mean, they should have just broken protocol and awarded yeah. the goal later, but. Anyway, they didn't. So that that happened. Then at the end of the game, obviously everyone kicks off. PJML released a half-hour statement. I mean, that that said nothing. It was like, oh, it's a human error. But sorry, guys. To be fair, they did label it as a significant human error. Yeah. So at least they're taking accountability on behalf of Darren England and Sam Cook. Yeah, and it it does feel like I think it is Sam Cook. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really odd situation. Really odd situation. And then obviously. After that, we've seen a lot of chit-chat about it, a lot of conversation. Liverpool released a statement saying they will pursue serious legal action. So that's going to be yeah. interesting. I mean, I don't really know how, what can be done. And then Peter and I will explain their side of the story. So they said that Darren England checked for offside, believing the on-field decision was goal. So he, what he believed that the, the, on-side, the on-field team had said, that's a goal, it's OK to stand. He took one look at it and went, yep, good decision. I honestly... Was he not watching the game? Yeah. Was he not paying attention to his job? The only excuse was he was not watching the, the screen. Because yes. they would, he'd watch the camera, and the lawyer would have put his flag up, then put his flag down, and then, and then they'd gone, that's outside then. But also, within a second of after that decision, you realise that it's not gone, that something's gone shit. Because you can see that they're not taking off from kickoff, they're taking them from the back. So... Honestly. How does nobody realise this and make us up to it within seconds? Apparently, it took them seven seconds after the ball was back in play to make to realise what their mistake. Seven seconds. What they did. So first of all, we were watching the screen and they made the decision. We're like, start celebrating, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, we got that one right. Great job, lads. Yeah, come on. Hang on a minute. We got it wrong. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> 
So yeah, they checked the Gorosu, seeing no issue with the verdict, and decided to issue the check complete. Which is why there was that weird situation where Hooper was sort of checking VAR, and then it was just like, check complete, there we go, lovely jubbly, let's go on the game. There was no yeah, well, check there. there was, and there was a weird moment, we had it on stream, we were like, How, why is this not being checked? Because it felt like it wasn't checked, yeah. but it was checked, they just didn't check for the right that, thing. That reading was on a pit about, apparently. And then, uh, yeah, human VAR, the human error, sorry, was the VAR getting on-field decision wrong. So, again, people calling VAR to be scrapped after this. I think that is, that's wildly This is incorrect. a bit of hate. It is not, we have seen, and we see it in other competitions, we see, yes, there is a little bit wrong with the actual technology. No, there isn't. I don't see a single you know, thing wrong. No, I mean, because the way we don't, the re, you know, why don't what like, would the offside why we draw the lines on anyway, yeah. and don't let it do electronically things like I get that. So the actual technology technology in England could be improved, but the majority of the time it isn't the technology. But most no. of the time, it's the people operating it because they're useless. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really I, I don't really know how they keep making these like glaring errors. Yeah. They're so blindingly obvious. It's just really bizarre to me. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like VAR works. I mean, the argument as I've seen from a lot of people is, well, before VAR, we didn't complain about refereeing decisions, which, oh, one, is wrong. And, and then they'll, uh, they'll say, oh, we didn't complain about VAR decisions. We just, that was just part of the game and you got on with it. And it's like, did you never see the sun? Every yeah. time anything happened, the front page of the sun or the back page of the sun, more likely, would be a big picture of Simon Hooper and, oh, my God, he's terrible and someone go and feed him to some dogs. Like, Pete it was would, horrendous. Like, um, even though we didn't have VAR, Pitt would still get away with things like Suarez on a bram on Ivanovic when he yeah. bit his shoulder. That's the thing, or, I think... Yeah, when um, bloody... Who was it? John Moss sent off Kieran Gibbs rather than yeah. off a Chamberlain? They'd have checked that and that would have been corrected. Yeah. But, and that's what I... That's the thing. I think what it does, VAR, is the things that it does get right, nobody really pays attention to. Nobody really mm. notices. It's only when it makes those like, really obvious errors. Because when VAR just has a look and goes, yeah, that's, that's a turnover decision, change decision, people, go, people don't tend to go, oh, great job from VAR there. They're not going to tweet yeah. and, and talk about how good VAR Crafty does. decision from John Brooks there on a but, VAR. But then when they do make the big errors, it, again, it's not the system's fault, it's the people using it. I mean, how do you not see what happens? Like, I think I, I even it's not they weren't watching the game. There's no, there's no yeah. other reason. Like, but yeah, I feel I feel like VAR is still really, really useful. I can't see us going back now. Personally, and I've said this for years now. I think the VAR, the VAR isn't the problem. It's the rules of football which are an issue. The yeah. fact that offside is such a ambiguous thing. Well, sorry, not ambiguous, but such a tight thing. Like, why is it? Why are we looking at the player being in front of the defender? I think instead it should be if the entire player is past the defender. Because that way you still yeah. get those tight margins, those fine margins, but it's the whole player being passed. So at that, in that point, you've gained such an advantage that it makes a significant difference. So I think the rules need to change. Also, the ambiguity around handball makes it really difficult to police because there's so many different interpretations of the rule. Yeah. Like for me, if it strikes your hand... the if, if you're playing football, right, with your mates, if it strikes your hand, that's handball. That tends to be the rule. But yeah. now it's been moulded so many times. It's like, if your arm's in a natural position, we're like, well, that's a natural position. I'm running. So if it comes across, it's so ambiguous. And the fact you can have your arm in your body or 
Yeah, as long as your arms are not in the air, you'll probably get away with a handball. Yeah. Unless, like, for some reason, they just decide to give it. And and then you've got the inconsistency, which is kind of natural, given the fact not all games are refereed by the same person. But no. there's no there's no conformity between all the different referees. We've yeah. seen the biggest example is that Manchester City were awarded a penalty when a defender slid in with his arms in the air. But they yeah. were, so they, the ball would have hit his chest anyway, but it hit his arms in front of his chest. And that was given as a penalty. But Manchester United, just a week before that, weren't given one when Romero did the exact same thing. So that's the issue, because with that ref for the City game, they've also given a pen in the United game. Yeah. Possibly, but it's the fact that the refs don't seem to have the same understanding of the rules. But for me, VAR isn't the issue at the moment with officiating. The overall... Yeah. The referees in charge, PJMOL, and the rule book are the bigger issues at the moment. I think, well, I, mean, I think first of all, I, I think some con- if VAR made a controversial decision every now and again, I think people would let it go. But it's the consistent errors that yeah. the obvious errors. But I think the biggest two takeaways from the Tottenham Liverpool game is that obviously VAR, it wasn't the technology's fault, and it wasn't Simon Hooper's fault anyway either. I think the problem for Simon Hooper was he had already sent off Curtis Jones in this situation, yeah. which I think at the time. Some people would have thought it was contentious. The issue is around the whole game, and I want to. Look, I still want to talk about Liverpool saying, but we can talk about the whole game now. Is the fact that there were there were two two red card decisions, which are very arguable. So with the Curtis Jones one, I definitely believe it's a red card, and the fact that even Jamie Carragher says it's yeah. a red card should tell Liverpool fans everything. I think in, obviously, in the heat of the in the moment, I think a few people did question it whether there was intent, whether there was excessive yeah. force. For me, nobody questions it if there's not the other two calls in the same game. Yeah, I think yeah. people go Curtis Jones went over the ball, he made a stupid tackle. But a lot of my Liverpool, I know a lot of Liverpool fans, a lot of mates of Liverpool fans, they are complaining about that. They're complaining about everything. And I think if you just look at it from a neutral point of view, if you look at how the rules should be applied, the rule is if you go over the ball, if you go into someone's ankle, while the force is minimal, you you could still cause real real harm there. So I think for me that's a justified red card. With regard to the Jota one, I think obviously the first yellow is a die from you, Doggy, and we can we can moan about that all day. We complain about oh should have called yeah. should have got this right should have you know changed this. But for me, there's no excuse. That doesn't work as an excuse because even if you don't think that's a justified yellow, why on earth would Jota put in a tackle like he did for the second tackle? Why on earth would you put in a tackle like that once you're on a yellow card? Mm. Within a minute, under a minute, it's completely uh, stupid. Uh, it's weird because the only, you know, my only reason explanation would be that he forgot he was on a yellow. But as you say, it's so put in succession. Wait, unless he's a goldfish, then he'll know he's on a yellow. Again, it comes back to the point that if. You know, if that happened without the VAR, without a red card, I think people go, well, the ref had no choice. He's already booked him. He ha- had to send him off. Yeah. It's a lot happened in that game. Everything happened. And, you know, obviously, I think, to, I mean, and then for Joel Matthews to stick at his own goal in the last minute, for Tottenham to win was just a kick in the teeth a little. I think, they get a, I think if they get a point out of it, they're less, they're not, I'm not saying they're not going to, you know, question it and they're not going to be annoyed about it. But I think if they had got something from the game, they'd be a lot less likely to try and do something about it. Fair enough. And then we've got, obviously, Liverpool's statement. So Liverpool came out with a statement basically saying that they are they feel that it was a 
what 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 was the word? It was unsportsman, not unsportsman like, but it, it failed to meet the required standards the, of, the, the, of the sportsmanship of football games. Like yeah, that. it's really corporate speak. But the main port, main most important part, the most vital part of the statement was them saying at the end, "We will take appropriate or meet legal action which we deem as appropriate." So. That's intriguing. Do you actually think that has legs, or do you think that's li- that's just them trying to show they care? I I I I think they're. I, th- I mean, as you say, it's a lot of corporate speak. I think they should have got Jurgen Klopp to write it. That would be funny. Uh, also, I think they're a bit more real because you can tell that this has been, you know, rolled over and given all. Sorts yeah, of it's a statement but... though, isn't it? But I, I think with regards to the legal stuff. I can't see them getting a replay, no. which is which is the they're only logical. Gonna, they're not going to kick the game thing. off. Imagine that we'll rock up the top of the stadium again yeah. in the 33rd minute. Liverpool are two one up, and you know Curtis James is sent off. And they're down to ten men. With the point, I, the only thing I can see them potentially doing is just altering the score so that both teams are awarded a point. I think yeah. that would be the most fair thing. But the problem is, you can you can if you do that, if you start altering scores then you open up a whole can of worms. Because yeah. then does a club from... Liverpool lost title rights to City by a point, wasn't it? Yeah. In t- 2019? Call cool, it back. Something like that. Premier League title. Yeah, exactly. So do, does everyone I mean, then look back at those games and try, and try and get things changed? You but... still give Tottenham three points, but get Liverpool a point. Yeah, it potentially has to work around, I guess. But I think you what, still open up the same can of worms. All of this will be unveiled because, obviously, we know that the... So the audio has been released. Liverpool have got the audio from what was said in the VAR room and the yeah. PGR have come out and said that the, the audio will go public. But they haven't yeah, went. I was going to say, this is... It's such a, yeah. So it's going public being a few months. Oh, yeah, they've got, they've got to re-record it first to yeah. cover up the cheating. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that gets sorted. But, yeah, it's a weird situation. Obviously... Sky asked for it to be released, then they didn't get it. Then Liverpool did, they didn't get it. Yeah, Jamie Carragher's on the blower to the PGA. I don't know how whether Jamie Carragher's got some contacts there, yeah. but that's it. We're getting it now, so thank you, Jamie. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like Liverpool haven't really got. I don't think they're actually going to take any legal action. No. I think it's it's very much a statement which is is trying to show the fans that they're doing something. Yeah, like by saying that the fans are like, yeah, our club cares. When actually they're probably think they they know they can't do anything legally because the Premier League yeah. will be lawyered out. Um, be, there's no way really, to come through. I mean, if City can get away with doing, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. I think the audio will say really, yeah. Uh, but it, all your, I'm expecting just to hear that Danny just goes check complete and they play on. I said the audio is not. I don't. Think, I don't think the audio will say much, but it will give us what at least we'll know what the thought process was there. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, in terms of what's happened to Darren England and Cook, I mean, so they got they both got. I know, obviously, Cook got because he was meant to be the assistant referee at Chelsea Fulham, and he got stripped what, of that. Well, I was going to say he was supposed. To, well, he was supposed to be a four, a linesman, wasn't he, for yeah, that Jeff, game? And then Darren, and England Darren England was supposed fourth. to be the fourth fish in the Nottingham Forest. Brent yeah. again, they're both stripped of those of those jobs. Obviously, Simon Hoop was back on the sidelines for Chelsea. He was the fourth well, fisher in that game. That makes sense. He did nothing wrong. Which would have been, it would have been very interesting if the F ref had been injured and he'd have come yeah. into that game because obviously, I mean, imagine he's had quite a bit of abuse off the back of probably, that, despite the fact probably. it's not really his fault. Yeah, and that can be the issue because the VAR, I know the VAR have now been named, but 
often the referee's the one yeah. you can see yeah. and whose name will be well, mentioned think, first. Um, Darren and Cook have also they've been what's it called? They're not they're not doing it next week. Suspended. They're not suspended. They they, they worth it like they've been stood down yeah, stood down for a week. Yeah. Just a load of again yeah. Premier League. Just, again, that's just pandering though to, yeah. to the fans for one week. Does it have a serious impact? No. Are they having their pay removed? No. So well, what think, impact does it have? I don't know. I think it's until they finish their thorough investigation. Yeah. Hi, Darren. Good Get in the recording studio, guys, because yeah. we've got to do some recording. Here's our investigation, guys. We've done it. We're, we're, <laughs> I can't wait to hear the audio. And it's just Darren and go, oh, they've given it as, uh, as onside. Lovely. Do you have any check complete? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I don't know what they're... They're investigating themselves. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to find. Yeah, don't worry. It's like a detective who's just murdered someone. I'll investigate it, guys. Okay, guys don't worry. I've ruled out me. I think I'm fine. Was it was it Liam's fault? Maybe they should I know I've score got, more goals. I know I've got no alibi and I've got a motive, but... And I've got the murder weapon. Me. <laughs> Why us? But yeah, it's, uh, it's an odd situation, well, isn't it, really? It'll all be telling in the next week what yeah. happens. Yeah, and I, I I think though that VAR as the technology isn't going anywhere, but I no. do think that there's more we can do to to make it easier for our officials, and there's more the officials can do to make it easier on themselves. But yeah, shall we move on then? Shall we move on yeah, to Chelsea versus Fulham? Now we waited a day to record this, which has put us in a bit of time constraint, but. Chelsea obviously last night at the time of recording beat Fulham two 0 how good a game. How good a game. Oh, my that? God. Chelsea was so good. Uh, it's like a time traveller's moved a chair because Mudrick scored a goal. Yeah. It, it was incredible. I couldn't believe when I first went in. I thought the flag was going to go up. It, it it was great to see. Chelsea looked like they actually had a buzz about them. They wanted to play football. They wanted to be there. They clicked well, a little bit better. Up until that goal, Chelsea marched the better side, moving the ball really, really well. And, and Breuer could have scored within about five minutes, I think it was, yeah. his first chance of that game. That definitely could have been a goal. Then we saw Mudrik get his goal. That, I mean, credit to, to Levi Colwell because his burst down that left-hand side was super impressive. And then the lovely weight of pass. And I think Mudrik's movement in that moment was sensational because he positioned himself in a way that Issa Diop didn't know whether he would burst into the space that was an easy through ball for Carlwell or burst behind him, which is a ball into the yeah. box for Carlwell. He, he burst behind Diop. Diop got caught out then, misses, missing his head, and Mudrik put it down really well and just tucked it through the legs of Leno. It's a really tidy finish, actually. And I think it, it does demonstrate that, that Mikhail Mudrik is still a really, really good player. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that goal would have taken... A massive weight off his shoulders. You saw the way not only he celebrated with, but with Denise, like then with Levi, but also the way that Moise Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez celebrated. They they had there was quite an emotional embrace. Yeah, and I think it's really indicative of the feeling around Chelsea at the moment, where the players really want it to work. They really want to perform well for the fans. They're working on the training ground. It just hasn't come off in games yet this season. Yet we finally saw the culmination of their hard work resulting in a win. And and I think there's a real outpour of emotion on the pitch, which I love to see as a fan. I, yeah. I look at that and go, they do care. They really, really do care. And I, and I think that Madrid, he's got his first goal now. Hopefully that can push, he can push himself on. He can take that confidence, that momentum into, into yeah. the next few games. And yeah, I'm I'm just really really proud of him. But I mean, he's exactly really what he needed. You know, Poch, 
Potter's given him a run of a few games, and he's got that goal. That's what he needs. A lot of playing, even Frank Lampard said it, because he was one of the he was on the pundits on Man Night Football. Yeah. He was saying that you know he knows Madrid works hard on the training ground, but even him, he'd give Madrid 60 minutes, and he wouldn't do anything that 60 minutes and bring him off again. Pochettino, not even him, that. He was yeah. giving him bench appearances. He hasn't been given a, a regular start in the side. And yet, we, he got yeah. those start. He's been getting starting minutes recently. He's been doing really well. He looked really good against Brighton in the week in the Carabao Cup. And he took that into, into this weekend's game. I do hope that, that his ankle injury, which ruled him out the second half, does. It's, well, it doesn't turn out to be something bad. Absolutely unbelievable at Chelsea. The same for Moisco Sado's knee injury at and the end Roy. of the match. And I'm under Roy having to come off. But then, equally, he has, he has been out for eight. Yeah. Ten months now. I'm I, I think Broyers yeah. might have been a bit more precautionary. Yeah, I, I believe he's about seventy minutes. And also, time. from what our understanding is, that the Madrid one was also just precaution. Yeah. Apparently, he felt something in his quad, which is a good sign then, because yeah. it, it's just, uh, just a muscle. The fact he's already scored as well didn't yeah. matter. Just wasn't like he had another bad half and they brought him off. And then I mean, Broyer. Honestly, between Broyer and Jackson, Chelsea might have lifted their striker curse. Since the likes of Diego Costa, since the days of Didier Drogba, none of these Maratas or Batshuayis or you know, even, you know Havertz, he might have won us the Champions League final, but he's still up there because he wasn't doing yeah. many goals. Those days are over. And then Bro- well, Broyer obviously got the second goal. Not that it was a finish that was well taken, but he did really well to get into that into that position. I think that yeah. instinctive burst into the box, yeah. he got in a position that can cause some trouble and he got a goal off the back of it. So... For me, that really demonstrates that Breuer is a very good striker because he's a player that will play on the last man. He's a player that will yeah. get into the box, will run with the ball, will finish it if he gets this chance. And I mean, I love Armando Breuer. I think it's been well documented on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a vast big fan of of him. But yeah, really good to see him performing. I think it was also like you know, having Breuer and Jackson. The thing that Chelsea about when we've had the like you know a striker like Morata, when he wasn't scoring, we had no alternative. If you know Jackson's yeah. struggled, he got a goal. He has scored, which is good, but he's missed a lot of chances. Suspended, Broy got a chance. Broy took it, and then if Broy, you know, if Broy has a bad run, bring in Jackson. Jackson can hit the ground running, and it, to yeah. rotate two really good strikers might actually be what do we need. Well, I was about I was about to pose you a question. What uh, who do you think starts against Burnley on on Saturday? Is it if we're saying so we're saying that Broy's fit? So, provided both players are at full fitness, able to play, who starts against Burnley? I think because it's Burnley, I'll give it to Breuer. Yeah? I think it was a bigger side. I'd want a big game player like Nicholas Jackson. All right, from big game players? Mm, Personally, it depends who we're playing against. I'm just glad someone has a bit of presence up front. Because Havertz wasn't strong enough Obviously, our seven fixtures after Burnley. But, I win against Fulham, hopefully win against Burnley... Hit those seven games run, you know, that would be a big thing if Chelsea could host Arsenal yeah. in a couple of weeks' time and beat them. In my opinion, Jackson plays Burnley, but only because I want Breuer up against our friends Gabriel and Saliba. Because I think his physicality yeah. and his determination could just cause a lot of issues. Yes, that presence is just brilliant. When we saw it, Tim Ream, who hasn't been able to, has, sorry, has, has been able to handle the likes of Haaland over the last few seasons, has been able to deal with some sensational strikers. Was completely undone and, by Amanda Bryant. Mean, it's the same question for Chelsea again over the last couple of years. Not saying Bryant's as good as Harlem, but if you if you look at Chelsea's team, if it gets back to full fitness when Nkunku and Chilwell and Reese James and Fafana are back, yeah, it's honestly 
it's honestly it's pretty it's very good like it's you know premier league challenging good yeah yeah and it's been a long you know, without, uh, well yeah i was gonna say the injury list at the moment is yeah, disgusting it's been a lot of years of ruben loftus cheek and god knows who's playing middle midfield and now enzo kaisela look class Connor Gallagher, if he can rein himself in a little bit and not look like a chicken sometimes. I love his tenacity, though. The, the thing is, I, I, I rate Connor Gallagher. The issue is you have two sides at the moment. He's, uh, by every single individual, he's either completely underrated or massively overrated. Yeah. There's not a single person who rates him adequately, I don't believe. Because rival fans go, or even Chelsea fans just go, oh, he runs around a lot because his technical ability isn't there. And English people go... Wow, it's Conor Gallagher, Cobham, I, oh, we love honest, him. I probably it's underrated so, because wow, I'll watch him have a good 50 minutes and then I'll go barrel into someone for a laugh and that'll really ruin his performance for me because it's like, why have you done that? Yeah, I think for me, now that he's being used in his correct role, he clearly is very good. But also, I mean... Why would you ever play Conor Gallagher on double pivot? It's the most stupid thing you could possibly yeah. do. He is one of the most exciting, or sorry, one of the best pressers in the league. A decent finisher. I think in that attacking midfield role, especially in fact we haven't gotten Kunku right now, he's perfect for that role. He can mm. finish, he can pass decently sometimes, and he presses like crazy. Yeah. That man does not stop running. So let's utilise his talents. Let's stop playing him a double pivot, which requires you to be able to make good passes and be able yeah. to turn, which sometimes he just runs into people. And also, while playing high up the pitch, he's less likely to give away a penalty. So... Get him in the top of the field. Let's get him in the final third more. I mean, as a defender, if I saw him running at me, I am bricking it. Because I know what's going to happen to me. I'm either going to lose the ball, or I'm going to end up on my ass. But I also think it has been a long time. And I mean, Conor Gallagher especially, but his other chess players in this team, it has been a long time since we, obviously we saw it a bit in 2021, and before, obviously years before that under Mourinho and the likes, where we've got players who actually love the badge. Conor yeah. Gallery got the captain's armband on and he, he bleeds blue and he will run for as long as he has that kit on. Yeah. And, and it's brilliant to see. I've had enough of these people that turn Lukaku oh, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have been allowed to wear that shirt. Conor Gallagher, mm. he died for it. Oh, what do we think about the Kukurea Renaissance? Or Remontada? I don't know. Honestly, Potch is doing something. I don't know what he's doing. Taking the it's... pressure off. Yeah. Moving on to right back, simplifying the game. Because when you're in your position, right, you you, you go, oh, got to do this, got to do that. Yeah. He's gone, play it right back. Kick it. Make the tackles, <laughs> it. pass it out. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Just play football. Yeah. And he's done really well there. It felt like he literally went to him, Mark, you're right back, we play in blue. <laughs> and just let him do the rest. But I also think that he's he's a player that needed time to adapt at Brighton. We saw that, and yeah. actually how much his role adapted from... He pretty much plays a left midfielder in, at his loan move at Hitafe, I want to say. Because he's yeah. at Barcelona, he got a loan move to Hitafe. The fact that nobody sort of put him high at the pitch, it was immediately moved back to left-back for Brighton, and that works. But I feel like with Mike Correa, he's, so, he's a very good player, but he does take time to adapt to new situations. Yeah. He's had a year now at Chelsea. I think now... He's been given more time, more patience under Poch. He spent the first few games on the sidelines just watching the team play. Now he's slowly being embedded. I think he's yeah. dealt with him perfectly. And he did. he's done the same thing with Madrid. He had Madrid on the sidelines the first few games. He played Jackson Sterling up front. He had Chilwell in there as well. Now, 
either through necessity because of injuries or because he's given Mudrick some time. Yeah. Mudrick's been integrated back into the side, integrated into the starting eleven, and now he's doing really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to... I, mean, I just think a, perfect my mind for him. I think there's some Aussie all of them. Aussie, we know Chelsea got the big, big bucks. When a player comes in for a big fee, I like to imagine all their performances as... All their good performances, like, chipping away at their price tag. So for every good performance they put in, they'll take a cut or mill off. And they'll take a bit of that pressure off as well. And, yeah, we saw that with Madrid. We'll see it with Kukurea. You know, Enzo... Enzo's paid us back three times over. Yeah, but like he came to his first game against West Ham and he gave away that penalty. He, you know, rather than chip away at it, he added more. But eventually he'll just be consistent and he'll chip away at his price. The the issue is we are buying young players for ready-made players' prices. Yeah. So we're buying 20-year-old, 22-year-old guys at £100 million. And what, what that does is it means that you buy players who aren't maybe ready for that for that big step up to a top club and to be able to play in all the competitions and stuff. But you've also but you've spent all the money, so you've got to expect yeah. them to come in and do a job. And that's the issue at the moment. There's a bit of a, a paradox, a bit of an oxymoron there where you've got young players who are going to take time, but you've spent loads of money, so it needs to work now. That doesn't work. So I don't. I hope Poch can start to get these young players playing with a bit more confidence and therefore justify those price tags. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And Chelsea are going to need that confidence. I think big win here. Got to beat Burnley because Burnley is crucial because after that it is a tough run. Apart from Blackburn in the EFL Cup, it is going to be a tough run. Which is and tough runs as much as they rely on you playing well, they rely on the hard work and the team morale. You know, because when you're on a tough yeah. run, when you're, on, when you're on a losing run. It is really hard to turn up to the next game and think we're going to win today. It is unbelievably vital that we beat Burnley. Yeah. Going into this run against Arsenal, I I I think we can get a draw or maybe even the win. I know it's uh, it's at home. It sure. helps. I think we're better away because our home fans don't really do much. Like, away fans uh, against Fulham, yeah. they were going through the whole catalogues of songs from the last decade, few decades. Bit of Solomon Kalou in there. Kalou, Lampard, it. Terry. Yeah. Wise, well, yeah, it's in there somewhere. But yeah. I actually think our away sport is better than our home. Oh, it's not home, Brentford at home. I think we should be beating Brentford because they've looked fairly yeah, bad this season. I know a, a lot of people talking about them as as though it's still last season. They've actually started this campaign really slow. Yeah. So far, only fourteen. Uh, they're fourteenth in the league, seven points from seven games. We should be beating them. And obviously, Blackburn in the cut. I think. Tottenham away and City at home. Tottenham, Tottenham away will be tough. Tottenham okay. playing really well at the moment, yeah. and it's an away yeah. match. City at home. I know it's at home, I, but it's Man City. A big point for, Man, for the Manchester City game is for the last, I think, especially over last year, the last two years, City have not only beaten us, but they've beaten us by big score lines and played us off the park. Yeah. If we lose one nil, I'm not going to be too angry. I just want us to push them to give them a game, not to let them roll us over four nil. Like they did a few years ago in the, like the yeah. FA Cup, give them a game. That's all I want. Yeah, and then and then we have Newcastle away, which is going to be a tough away trip. Yeah. Then we play Brighton. The only thing that excites me about the Brighton game is the fact that they would have played Europe in the in the week before. So yeah. even if that's moved to like a Monday night, they would have played on the Thursday. Yeah. And you imagine it'd be a Sunday and game. After so that, we're does help us. And then it's United. United rubbish. Not, which United. is annoying because I would want to play United in two weeks' time because they're, they're, at the moment yeah. they are in a complete shit storm. So. It's annoying that they may well have got their shit together by December or be relegated. Yeah. So, could work out for but us. With all bad runs means that you've got a good run coming. 
Yeah, and I think for me, this this part of the season now makes or breaks Chelsea's season. Yeah. If they lose all of them, we but, go tough run of fixtures, yeah. but we can still re- rebuild and, we and finish, finish, them, finish we top half. Yeah. We beat, it, we, it, I was going to, if, yeah. if we pick up a few decent wins, beat some sides ahead right, right at the top of the table, suddenly we find ourselves on the edge of the what, Europe six, catching up. Six tough games there. Seven. Seven. Seven tough games. Seven. I'd take. 12 points from it 10 points I'd say 3 mate 3 draws <laughs> I think I think, I think it's got to be a minimum of 7 <laughs> yeah it should be a win against Brentford I think 10 is a 10 is uh, realistic uh, 10's low man I know but 21 points possible equally if we pick up points early in the run we might back ourselves to go to the I don't want to say Brentford should be a win United Brighton I don't. Th- we shouldn't lose to Arsenal at home right now. We should draw that game yeah, at the very least. I think maybe a point against Tottenham's possible because Tot- Tottenham could do Tottenham things. Like America could just go smack it out of the air for a laugh, and we get a penalty, and then we win. But yeah, so winning against Burnley is crucial. Then we go into internationals. Yeah. Where I'm hoping again yeah. we can just carry the momentum over the internationals into that Arsenal game at home. Yeah, we'll see how the season goes from there. Yeah. Shall we talk about our final topic before we get into some fantasy Premier League? We're going to turn our attention over to Germany. Why are we doing that, Harry? Because Bayern Munich have finally let up. What? I know. Finally? Crazy. It's almost like they've already drawn a game this season. Oh, yeah. It's a good point. (laughs) Wow. But they did lose. Not lose, but they did draw again. They drew 2-2 with Leipzig away. Did you see that one coming, Harry? No. I did not see that one coming. I think it, it's always one of those. You go, oh, maybe Bayern could lose today. They probably won't. And then Leipzig going to turn up, and I thought, oh, my days are going to lose. And they got they got back level, didn't they? Of course they did. But yeah, it's another big point dropped. Not too big, two points dropped. Could be costly. 100%. It definitely could be, because they now find themselves third in the Bundesliga, level on points with Dortmund, who have been crap. So how they managed that, we don't know. Uh, imagine where Dortmund would be if they didn't lose, if they didn't draw with Darmstadt, and uh, sorry, didn't draw with Bosham and Heidenheim. Can't make it up. Poor, really poor. The fact they've beaten Freiburg, Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim, but they drew with Bosham yeah. and Heidenheim. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, now Dortmund go on a run of... Union, Verdola win, Frankfurt, Hoffen- Hoffenheim in the Pokal, and then Bayern, with some Champions League games mixed in, yeah. of Newcastle, Milan, <laughs> Newcastle again. <laughs> Dear. But, yeah, I mean, that all eyes are going to be on that game on the 4th of November, Dortmund-Bayern. By that point, Dortmund will probably be 10 points behind yeah. them. But, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I did not see Bayern, I didn't think Bayern were going to lose to Leipzig. I'm going to be honest, sure. I, th- I thought, sorry, draw with Leipzig. I thought they would win. I thought they'd win that game, but yeah. yeah I mean, Kane got a pen. Sane scored that battle, bailed him out. But Leipzig played the better stuff, especially in the first half. Leipzig yeah, played the yeah. better stuff, uh, but yeah, second half dominance really for for Bayern helped them get that over the line. And yeah, but the tide the side that are dominating the Bundesliga at the moment, Leverkusen continued in a similar fashion to the as they have all campaign a three 0 win and the three points headed back to to Leverkusen. Do you think there's a? I mean, we spoke about this. Two weeks ago now, three weeks ago. Mm. Do you think there's a serious chance of Leverkusen putting this off? To be honest, all you all they've got to do now is just not mess up against a silly side. Well, they've got to play Bayern again. They have got to do that. But it's it's just They don't play Dortmund until December. Oh, honestly, honestly I can't call it because I just don't know whether they can hold it out for the whole season. 
I mean, they're still unbeaten. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I do. I, th- I don't know, man. I look at the fact that Alonso came in what ten months ago now would have been about December, December last yeah. year. Yeah, and it's just the fact that they haven't really let off yet. Yeah, the fact that they had such a strong end to the season, to, to such a strong rest of the campaign. I know they faltered right at the end of last season, but that can be forgiven. And they picked up this campaign really, really strong. They've got to keep going in the way they are. They've got to keep picking up points. Bayern's run is is interesting. They play Freiburg next weekend. Should yeah. win, but again, if they drew with if they drew with Leipzig, maybe they'll drew with or draw or lose to Freiburg. You've got Mainz, Mainz after that, Darmstadt after that, and then Dortmund. It's unbelievable how much Bayer Leverkusen need Dortmund yeah, to actually so, do yeah. something in that game. But yeah. Leverkusen top of the league. I think they look really, really good. Whether that's sustainable is yet to be seen, but yeah. they're definitely going to get Champions League football this year, I would say. Sp- I mean, yeah. they look great. They really do look great. Stuttgart, I don't think are genu- genuinely no, up bit there. Like but, Union, I think they'll fall off. But uh, yeah, Sarah Garassi, everything he touches turns into a goal at the moment. Ten goals from six matches. That's did mental. have a Did have a, f- a game where he didn't score last time out against what? Cologne. Dennis Undav. Grab the brace oh, instead. Football, yeah, I mean it's not really fair when you've got Ndav and Garassi. Mm. But yeah, and then you've got Leipzig, who I actually think are surprise. I'm surprised aren't higher. Yeah, well, they had a bit of a weird start, didn't they? Well, they lost their opener to Leverkusen, and then they drew with Bayern, and that's the only they're the only blemishes on their record. They beat Bayern, and they beat Bayern three yeah. 0 in the Super Cup. They they lost to Leverkusen, but. Equally, Leverkusen are probably the best side yeah. in the league right now. But other than that, they beat Stuttgart 5-1. Garassi obviously scored in that but one. Is, but things that, what <laughs> Bayern do, they, like, they should have lost to Leipzig, really. They're 2-0 down yeah. early on. And if Leipzig get that, they're a point behind Leverkusen. Yeah. Bayern are suddenly three points off the top. And we're looking but at a Bayern, I think Bayern, where Bayern are fifth in the league. Bayern situations into getting something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well. It's going to be very, very interesting. I like yeah. how the fact also that Dortmund's last three wins have been Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, Freiburg. They're sat sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yet yeah, Heidenheim and and uh, Bosch, who they lost so to, them, probably both are going to get relegated so eventually. Stupid. Yeah, Heidenheim as well has done really well so far. Seven points from six games, sit, sat in tenth in the league. Fair play, <laughs> fair yeah. play. Because yeah, I think a lot of sides, a lot of people wrote them off before the season even started. Yeah, it's crazy good. But yeah. I'm excited to see how the rest of the season turns out. It should be exciting. I mean, you're the closest fighter in a while. Yeah, looking ahead this week, Dortmund play Union. That's going to be a tough one for Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, Union may, though, have a bit of a European hangover because they've got to play on Thursday night and then on Saturday. So, a bit harsh. Oh, no, sorry, they play a Champions League. Oh, yeah. They're fine. I was going to say. They're fine. They play on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Um, So, they're fine. God, I was going to say. So, they won't league last year. Then there is uh, Leipzig play Boschel, which they should win comfortably. Stuttgart Wolfsburg will be a good game. Yeah. You'd expect Stuttgart to win that. Leverkusen play Cologne, who are currently 17th with one point. So, they'll lose 2 1. And (laughs) Bayern play Freiburg. Potential banana skin. Maybe. Maybe. Never know. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting season of the Bundesliga. Should be. Panning out really excitingly so far. Shall we talk about FPL then yes. before we round off? A little bit of a shorter one today, but not too much to talk about. There was a Prem game for a bit, you know, City lost. Yeah. Not a lot to say there, but interesting for the Prem that the title race is opening up a bit more. 
also the WSL season start, which is really fun. Yeah. Uh, but um, we we covered a lot of that. We've spoken about a lot about that already. We yeah. covered it over the weekend. Two streams coming up this weekend of the WSL. Friday night we've got Man United Arsenal, and on Sunday we've got Chelsea Man City. Other streams before we get into FPL tonight. If you watch this on the on when it goes out or listen to this when it goes out, it is a nev- no, no, Netherlands Newcastle versus PSG not the Netherlands no, not Newcastle versus PSG should be should be a good one and then on Sunday as well Arsenal Man City following our coverage of Chelsea Chelsea City in the women's game so yeah. yeah a lot of Man City on Sunday across both the men's and the women's sides I'm personally very excited yes yes shall we get into FPL then I, yeah. I'll start oh, go yes. horrendous Horrific. I mean, the game we've not done yet. If Morris scores eight against Burnley tonight, yeah. you'll see me doing cartwheels up and down the street, anyone that lives near me. I'll be buzzing because yeah. suddenly my week has been saved. I haven't captured him, but he has got me eight points so far. I had... So, well, I've, I've, I've got 40 points. And I've still got a stupid Jans minus two to get subbed in. Yeah. So difficult. Pope and goal six, not bad. Saliba six, not bad. Botman scored nothing, which is why Stupid Nano gets subbed in. Akanji got one because City somehow lost to Wolves. I've then got Foden on two, yeah. who is getting binned. Sterling on zero, who's also getting binned. Saka on nine, but might be injured. Yeah. I've got Madison on two and Bremer on two. Morris on eight, Haaland on four, captained. It, embarrassing, really. I just didn't get any points. Nobody did anything. No, it's not, that's not great, to be honest. Nobody did anything. No. I got 67. Typical. Um, front three was carried by Watkins. I had Vissel on two, Haaland four, Watkins on 23. So he really gave me a strong start to the week. Midfield was also pretty poor. Foden two, Mietema one, and Buenway two. Gordon did get me a cheeky assist, though. He got five. And then yeah. points were at the back, really. White got me 14. Thiago Silva got me eight. I also had bottom zero, and we'll have him and minus two subbed in, so I will drop to 65. Ario a clean sheet on six. Another strong week. Uh, green arrows across the board. And I'm going to say it early. I'm 24th in the TFC league. Fair enough. It's not a lot of point going through the, the league because we don't know who's oh, going yeah, to be yeah, where yeah. because uh, bonus points are still going to come in, subs are going to be made, all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I will run you through fo- before we get uh, go any further. Through my wildcard team Ooh. for this week, I have activated my wildcard going into yeah. game week eight. Very early in the season, I know. But goal gives a moment. Ariola and Turner are my current considerations because they are cheap and free me up to go for other players. In the defence, Udoggy, Trippier, Cash, Burn, Cabore. Double off to Newcastle does scare me a little bit. Yeah. And I am considering getting rid of Trippier to be able to get in Saka yeah. or even yeah. Salah potentially. But I do like Trippier that he has scored 12 and 18 and in his last two, so hard to ignore him. My field at the moment is Diaz, Son, Madison, Diaby and Almiron. But I am considering getting rid of Luis Diaz. Yeah. Potentially cheapening one of my forwards and bringing Saka yeah. back in. Because tr- I did get rid of Saka on my initial wildcard draft. He's now looking like he will be fit to play. Equally, he's got City. Is it worth having him? Possibly yeah, not. Really so true. might hold on if... Might just go for, for Diaz. He's got a nice run of fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Then my front line, Watkins, Darwin, Nunez and Haaland. Darwin Nunez is the one gamble I'm taking in this team. Everyone else is barely template. Then I've got Watkins. I just look at that 23-point haul last weekend and I know I'm a bit late to the bandwagon, but I can't help but yeah, jump on it. No, fair enough. 
And then Erling Haaland is is the only pick that picks himself in FPL this year. Okay, yeah. But yeah. So it's a bit of a... It's, it's, I, I don't know if it's too late to go for the wild card. I'm just not happy with how my team's done. And I'm not happy at the amount of red arrows that I'm seeing. And the fact that I'm down as low as yeah. sixth in my in the, in the one of my private leagues with mates. That's not okay. No, it's not. I should be top. I am. And I'm fifth in the family league. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I'm also top of that. My bloody grandfather's ahead of me. How has that happened? He's now not quite a phone. Disgraceful. Anyway, we are going to call it a day there. It's been a nice episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. As I say, a little bit shorter than normal. Next week, we'll come with a bit more preparation, a few more topics to talk about. A little bit rushed this week. Uh, Push for time because of streams and various other commitments. But, yeah, that is everything for this week. We'll be back again next week. We'll be talking the same old shizzle. I don't know why, but don't like the word shizzle. No. Never using that again. No. If you want more stuff to go and look at, then check out last week's episode. We spoke about the same sort of stuff. And check out our YouTube channel. Check out the YouTube channel, The Football Chat on YouTube. We What was our video this week? Oh, it was all about Ipswich Town. So if you're a fan of the lower leagues, go and check that out. Or just want to know why Ipswich Town are going to get promoted to the Premier League. Or will they? Who knows? Check out the video. Then, Premier on Friday. Streaming loads. So look out on YouTube for the stream pages. But that's everything for this weekend. Thank you guys very, very much for listening or watching, if you remember. And we will see you next time. See ya.